0: And for two people, I think that's very fitting. Ruth and Christian are starting this year, how they mean to continue. Stand up, please. With ring, please, Ruth. Congratulations to you both. Awesome. Some of you will have heard their news already, but just so that we're all clear, they got engaged. Uh, have we really? Oh, come on. Let's, let's, this is a good year. Congratulations. This is awesome. Well, let, don't stop. Anybody else want to propose to somebody right now? I mean, you know, if, if you feel in the mood, don't, 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 let's keep the anointing going. Well, you've got about 40 minutes to do it before the meeting's over, so uh, this is your chance. We don't want to hold anybody up here. I'm sure you can find somebody in 40 minutes. <laughs> so we've got marriages on the way and babies on the way and all sorts on the way this year. It's going to be a great year. Amen? Amen. I trust you're looking forward to a good year. So let's, uh, with that theme in mind, let's look at a scripture for this morning and point ourselves into the new year. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33 says, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Let's pray. Father, we pray you will give us grace now. Conviction in our spirits. Commitment in our hearts and minds. Dedication in our actions to do what these words in your scripture are saying. Lord, would you empower, inspire, and bring a conviction upon us today, right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Oh, I've got mountains and things behind me. How nice. Right. I came across this illustration written by an unknown author. I've modified it slightly to make it more Geordie or more modern or something. And no, there's no way I in it or anything like that. But seriously, this is a description of the new year as if the new year were a person speaking to you or speaking to us. So if the new year that we've just stepped into is a person, this is what the new year would say to us. I am the new year. I am... I'm an unspoiled page in your book of time. I am your next chance at the art of living. I am your opportunity to put into practice what you've learned about the Christian life during the last 12 months. All that you sought for and didn't find is hidden in me, waiting for you to search it out But this time, this year, with more determination than ever. All the good that you tried for and didn't achieve is mine to give to you. But when you have fewer conflicting desires inside you, all that you dreamed but didn't dare to do, all that you hoped but did not will, all the faith you claimed you did not have, all the faith that you claimed but did not have, these things sleep lightly waiting to be awakened by the touch of a strong purpose. I am your opportunity to renew your allegiance, your commitment, your dedication to him who said, Behold, I make all things new. Amen. Those last few words there, Behold, I make all things new, they're spoken to us in Revelation 21 verse 5. God is speaking to us all, even today, through those words. And he's the God who makes everything new. That includes us. includes our lives. It includes everything about us. It includes the year ahead of us. Now, when we read this verse, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to, to you, I just want to point a couple of things out before we get into it more deeply. And it's this. There is an adding to that can take place this year. So I want to ask you a question. Would anyone here like to see their life added to with the good things of God this year? About eight people. That's very good. Well done. Um, I'll pray for you in a moment. Adding to our lives in 2019 can happen. The promise... The possibility, the opportunity is there in the Lord. What we want to look at this morning a little bit is what does it take for that to become a reality for us in 2019? The answer, of course, is in the verse we read out. Seek first his kingdom. Now, you'll notice it doesn't say seek his kingdom. What's the difference between seek his kingdom and seek first his kingdom? Any intelligent person care to enlighten us this morning? Priority? Priorities, yes. Pretty good for a start off. Sorry? Finding Jesus. Jesus has always got to be the right answer to these things. Excellent. We gotta prioritize and find him. The kingdom is in the king. important things first. That's right. I heard a voice. I think it was a person. It might have been an angel. It's probably the same two over here. Important things first. There's a difference between seeking the kingdom and seeking first the kingdom. And here's here's the difference between the two. Let me see if I can illustrate this for you. Uh, I knew this couple... And this is a this is morning to talk about couples. So in case you're wanting to find somebody in the next 35 minutes now, uh, this, is, this is just a little hint for you. This couple couldn't stand the sight of each other. In fact, the girl actually said, he's the last man on earth I'll marry. Well, he must have been the last man on earth because she actually married him in the end. It just shows you true love will always find a way with a little bit of help from God and her friends. And a lot of help from God and a little bit from her friends. And so all of this turned around and... I knew them both quite well, and I remember her frustratingly saying, you know, a year or two before marriage, oh, he's the last man on earth I'll marry. Well, and she did. So the wedding's coming, and it's a week before the wedding, and everything's going really well until. See, he promised her that she was the first love of his life. Now, there's two words that the word first implies there, but they're never spoken first and only. That's the difference between seek and seek first. It's the two words, and only. So a week before the wedding, she finds out that actually she is the first in his life, but she's not the and only. Because he's sort of somehow let slip that on the honeymoon, he is taking with him, and this is before um, the internet and all that existed, the portable 12-inch black and white television. Because Manchester United are playing. And suddenly, this promise to beat the first love of her life took on a whole new dimension. Because as well as taking her on honeymoon, he was taking Manchester United with him as well. That car was getting kind of crowded with another 11 guys in there. Oh, dear. Well, this got out. Somehow it got back to his fiancée, his intended And she was none too pleased. And she expressed her none too pleased to him. I thought we were going to go back to her. I can't stand the sight of him. He's the last man on earth I'll ever marry. But we didn't quite. So um, anyway, he hears the message through a series of communications. And he decides that discretion is the better part of Allah. He's not going to do this thing. So, the day before the wedding, I go over to his house to help him pack the estate car. They're driving all the way up to Scotland, they have a week up here. And something about the packing worried me. Because as I walked into his study, something didn't look right. And what didn't look right was the space where the TV normally sat just had a look at a mark there in the dust on his desk. He really needed to get married this guy. He was an academic, and lower things like cleaning didn't really matter to him when he was. Working out equations and the universe and that sort of thing, and, um, and then I saw in the corner the TV. The aerial was disconnected, and the cable was all wrapped up around it. And you can understand what was going on in my mind. Kind of thinking, has he changed his mind? Is this first love declaration sort of regressing a bit? Well, I then see him pick the TV up, and I am really, really worried because he carries it out to the car. So I have to stand between him and the car and say, do you really want to do this? I mean, I know this young lady well, and uh, it's gonna, you know, it, when she sees the TV in that car, she's going to be none too pleased. You know, she's going on honeymoon with you, not Manchester United. So eventually he relented and put the TV back for a while. But after I'd gone, it found its way into the car. He really did take it with him. Manchester United had that big a draw on him. I couldn't understand it. I mean, if it was a good team like Oxford United, because that's where we lived, you know, I could have understood it. But Manchester United, I mean, who supports them? Well, Exactly. It says this big Liverpool supporter down here. Seek first means and only. No seconds. No love of playing golf or stamp collecting or Manchester United, or even Newcastle United, or any United for that matter. There's only room for one first love. There's only one room for one first seeking. That's an important point to start off with in this passage today. God does not want us to bring the TV or Manchester United or our stamp collection with us on this journey into the kingdom in 2019. Now, we've asked this question before, so let's see if anybody remembers it, or it's a good reminder if you can. When we talk about the kingdom, what do we mean by that? What is the kingdom of God? Anybody remember from past teaching? Sorry. The rule of King Jesus, that's good. What does that look like in our, in our, in our lives? You, you better answer this or I'm going to lose my job here. I'm not being very effective, am I? Everything. everything. Well, it is everything. It encompasses everything, even the bits we don't want it to encompass, including the 12-inch black and white TV. I mean, what is the kingdom? Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Heaven here on earth, that's more like it. Let's get this into something practical. Okay, we'll have to revise the teaching for you. Get your pens and notebooks out, your brains in gear, your phones or something like that. Here's the teaching. Karis and Lily are in the bunk beds when they are nine and six years old, whatever it is like this, in our house back in the south of England. And one morning I walk into their room and I say, oh, you've made your beds. And Karis says, Well, in heaven we'll have to make our beds. That's the kingdom. It's living now like heaven is already in you and you're already in heaven. Think about the way we think. Think about the way we talk. Think about the way we listen. Think about the way we do things. Think about our priorities and our values. Think about everything we do. Everything is correct. We do it now like we're already in heaven. That's got to be heaven on earth, is not it? Quite literally. He doesn't seem very excited by that. I mean, are we all right here? Perhaps you don't want to make your beds in the morning. I don't know. There's a whole sermon on making your beds in the morning, by the way, that Sally's going to give you one day. There is something special about it. I'll leave that for her. The kingdom is Jesus ruling in everything. It's heaven's rule. Come to earth. That's why we say... Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's bringing heaven to earth. Did you know your job, your purpose as a world changer is to bring heaven into your life and into the lives of others. It's to bring heaven to earth. We do things here like they do in heaven. Got to be good in heaven. Got to be better than the way it's done here without heaven. Now, Another way of remembering the kingdom is like this: three words. The kingdom is an atmosphere, an attitude, and an action. Can you say those three things with me? The kingdom is an atmosphere, attitude, action. Good. I think I can keep my job if you can do that one more time. Okay, one more time. The kingdom is atmosphere, attitude, action. Good. Have you learned something today? Good. When Pastor says the visits and asks you that sort of thing, I want you to be able to repeat it. Now, the atmosphere, we're going to look at these three things in turn. The first one is atmosphere. Atmosphere. The atmosphere we live in and we live under matters to us. It matters greatly. The atmosphere we live in affects us. Have you ever walked into a room where there is, quote, an atmosphere? When you've heard nothing, you just walk into the room and it's kind of, temperature drops about 30 celsius and it goes to minus five or something this is frosty have they just had an argument or they're just about to or has she found the tv in the back of the car or something like that you know the atmosphere you can feel it can't you you can't see it you can't touch it and yet it's very real and tangible if you're switched on and discernible of course, you may not be switched on and discernible and, and discerning, and therefore you might miss the atmosphere, and then that goes down like a, a, a tonne of loose soot, or like a lead balloon. That's what happened to me one Christmas when I walked into Sally's parents' house, and there was this incredibly frosty atmosphere because David, Sally's brother, had locked the family out of the house at Christmas Eve night. He'd, he'd gone, they, parents had gone to church for midnight mass, and when they come back, David had Put the catch down on the door and they couldn't get in, and he was fast asleep. And it was all, took about three hours to resolve. With, with Sally's dad having to climb up on the roof, dismantle part of the roof, climb in through the roof, open the trap door, swing down. He's in his 60s, so he's young and fit like me. And, um, he, and then he had to reassemble all the roof and put the roof back. And uh, yes, it wasn't a pleasant experience for anybody, not, not for Dave, because he was asleep in bed when Mother's handbag kind of connected with his head, you know. And so, so we go there on Christmas Day. And we opened the door and say, Happy Christmas Day! And I was all hearty and hail. I thought, there's an atmosphere here. Nobody was talking to anybody. It was stony cold silence. Oh, you can feel it. Happy Christmas. We spent the rest of Christmas saying, Happy Christmas! <laughs> oh let's go home. Listen, atmospheres are very tangible. And the thing about atmospheres is they either they either pull us down with them, or we have to try and lift the atmosphere and, and change the atmosphere. And that takes a lot of understanding, a lot of insight, a lot of wisdom, and a lot of willingness from us to, to find out what it's all about. And that's a challenge. It's not always easy. There are even bigger and more powerful atmospheres than that, there are spiritual atmospheres. In a neighborhood, in a family, in a place of work, in a nation, there are spiritual atmospheres too. And just like um, the kind of atmosphere when you go into to, to that situation like I've described, it can affect us greatly. Here's one spiritual atmosphere affecting someone. It says in 2 Peter 2.8, it talks about Lot, Abraham's nephew, when he goes to live in Sodom and Gomorrah. This is what it says about him. And if God rescued Lot, oppressed by the sensual conduct of unprincipled men, for by what he saw and heard, that righteous man, while living among them, felt his righteous soul tormented day after day by their lawless deeds. Lot chose to go live in a place that he thought looked good. But the atmosphere, spiritually and morally, was terrible. And the Bible says it oppressed him because of his belief in the same God that Abraham walked with. And that word there that's used oppress is differently translated. Some translators use the word torment. It means to severely test, to inflict great pain. It's also used of childbirth. I hope that's not upsetting anybody here this morning because that could be a little worrying for a few of you, but God will be with you and you're going to be great and fine. And it means to be harassed. It's also used to be in a boat when a storm is tossing it about. That's what atmospheres can do to us. They can make us seasick. They can oppress us. They can really bring us down spiritually. The wrong spiritual atmosphere will get to us eventually. And when it does, it will bury our spiritual life alive it will suffocate the spiritual life out of us if we live under the wrong spiritual atmosphere. So, what kind of atmosphere am I living under right now? At home, at work, place of study, in the nation, from the TV and the media I connect to? See, all of that stuff produces an atmosphere. Even what you see on the screen, it produces an atmosphere. We were going to watch a film the other night I couldn't watch it in the end. I thought, I just can't do this because I know watching that film will produce a certain kind of atmosphere and I don't want that atmosphere around me. So we just have to be boring and talk to each other instead. That's the better atmosphere. Couldn't watch it. Atmosphere really affects us. What kind of atmosphere do I want to live with in 2019? Now, do I want to live with an atmosphere that's constantly negative. You'd be surprised how unpositive people are outside of church. I mean I hope you come to church to get some positivity and upbuilding and encouragement and strength. Because when I'm outside of church in other situations and when I reflect back on the times I did work in, a, in in employment and so on, it was very negative a lot of the time. So very unfaithful, unbelieving, negative atmosphere out there. Do I want to live in that or do I want to live in a positive, strengthening, upbuilding, encouraging, faith-building atmosphere that brings me up nearer to God? What do we do if we encounter the wrong atmosphere? Well we can do one of two things we can either give in to it and go along with it for fear of offending people or upsetting them or... We can change it. Can I say to you right now, right now in your spirit, make a decision not to be afraid of offending or upsetting people when it's for God. So often we're too polite because we want to be nice as Christians. And we don't say what we need to say. And that leads us to accept the atmosphere that's put on us rather than the one that we should be setting. Now, you don't have to be nasty back. Don't be the mirror image of what you're receiving but we can change the atmosphere and not go along with certain things. But that means we have to be willing to cut across people. We can do that as nice as we can do it. We can do it as graciously as we can do it. But we shouldn't just accept what comes our way in terms of atmosphere and the kind of stuff people want to put upon us. Listen, we talked about being leaders and world changers at the end of last year. Well, one of the great characteristics of leaders and world changers is this. They are atmosphere changers. You and I have the ability to change the atmosphere. Did you know that? Just a single comment, a single word, or even a smile sometimes, or a different approach or a different spirit can change the atmosphere around you. I want to ask you a question. How many people here are atmosphere changers? Didn't ask if you were doing it. How many people have been made by God to be an atmosphere changer? Let's let's ask that one right. Okay, you're right. All of us. Look at the person next to you and say, You're an atmosphere changer. And then say to them, So change it. We can change the atmosphere. There was a negative atmosphere going around in our circle of friends some years back before we came to Newcastle about a certain issue in the church. And everybody got on a downer about this thing. And they were really grumpy and there was negative thoughts, negative expressions, negative words going around. And it was to do with our our Christian school that we had at the time. And our kids were due to go to school at five years old, a big group of them, and there was no teacher for them. So none of these kids would be able to go to school. They would all have to stay at home. we have to homeschool them. That was the the bottom line if we wanted them to go to Christian school because there was no teacher. And a lot of these parents had given sacrificially to build the school building and set the thing up, so they felt they had an expectation or right to have a a place for their kids when when the school, when it came to for their kids to get there. And Aunt, Aunt Caris was one of them. But all this stuff was going on, and I picked up on some of it. And so somebody then opened their mouth to me and said, Well, I think this is a bad show, don't you? I mean, after all, da da. da, da, da. I said, No. I said that's the wrong approach. They looked at me, this is quite a good friend of mine, and they were shocked. I said, That is not how we're going to approach this. We're going to approach this a different way. If there's no teacher, well then we're going to stand with the leaders of the school until there is a teacher. We're going to be positive, we're going to be filled with faith. We're going to support the school. We're going to support the teachers. We're going to support the teachers. Instead of demanding something for ourselves, we're going to teach our children a lesson through this, that to have a good teacher is a privilege and not a right. That if God gives you a good teacher, you should jolly well respect the teacher and be glad you've got one, because good teachers don't come cheap and don't come easy. Any teachers here? Say amen. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) I was shocked. I said, no, we're going to get a teacher, and we're going to teach our kids to pray. We will homeschool them, and every day they're going to pray their teacher into being. And they're going to learn the teacher they get is going to come from God, so that when they get in that classroom, they're going to respect, have good discipline, and work hard. And thank God for it. So it comes the meeting where the school headmaster is there, and the chairman of the governors is there, and a couple of school representatives, and they are expecting a bad meeting. They've picked up on this bad atmosphere so they sit there and they're waiting for the flak to come. And This is church. It should never be like this. Anyway, I got round all the parents by then because I'd realised and I'd spoken to every one of them. So I was backseat driving at that point. So I thought, well, I've done my work. Let's see if the right atmosphere comes out. One by one, they stood up and said, Mr. Headmaster, thank you for running the school. We believe in you and believe in what you're doing. We will stand with you. And when a teacher comes, we will thank God for it. We're going to teach our children to pray a teacher into being by faith and teach them to respect and honour that teacher as the gift of God into their lives. And they all stood up one by one and said this. The headmaster was shocked. He stood up after he said, Well, I don't know quite what to say. Um, We weren't expecting this. (laughs) He was expecting a bad atmosphere. He said, Well, thank you. He said, We will... um, we thank you for your support. Yes, that was the end of the meeting. There was no arguments, no discussions, no questions, nothing. A different atmosphere had prevailed because I dared to challenge the atmosphere and become an atmosphere changer. I thought they had done my work for me. I've sown a good atmosphere in them, and they've reflected it back to the head teacher. So that was in July. Next term, September, our children were going to start school, homeschooling, and wait till the teacher came, maybe six months a year later. Our children prayed over that time and when September came, there was not one but two teachers in the school, brand new, to teach them. God had supplied through that good atmosphere and through that atmosphere of faith and being of a different spirit. That's how we can be atmosphere changers. We speak faith. We get people to look up. We turn the conversation around. Now you don't have to see it like that. It can be very different. We can bring a different perspective, a different way of talking, a different way of understanding and responding to the situation with faith to lift people's hearts and lives and visions and bring that different atmosphere in. You and I are atmosphere changers. Now, let me tell you how powerful this is. Three days ago, I had an incredible conversation with somebody and that conversation came through thousands of miles from the other side of the world. this is how it worked. Uh, A few months ago, Sally and I were in a meeting with Bishop uh, uh, Oriel Balano, the leader of a huge church, their biggest church in the Philippines. And, um, sorry, that's not name-dropping, but, you know, Bishop Oriel does go around and say, hey, I know Clive and Sally all over the world. I just want (laughs) want you to know that, and we don't mind. You know, we let him do that. Anyway, so we're with him in a meeting with a load of other pastors, and... um, he is saying, he said, the problem with the Philippines is we have the wrong atmosphere and the wrong environment. People in our country lived under slavery for 300 years. And so now they just see themselves as slaves. They don't see themselves as very intellectual, as very academic, as top flight. They always think, Filipino people always think they should be the servants and the cleaners and, and that kind of lowly job, and they never think better of themselves. They think the white man has got it all right, and they're just some other second, third class citizen and so on. And so we need a different atmosphere in our nation. So we need to believe in ourselves. We need to see ourselves as leaders and as people with initiative and get up and go and so on. So that's what we're doing in our church. We're preaching a different atmosphere. We're preaching a different environment. We are preaching, encouraging our people not to see themselves as the product of 300 years of past oppression and slavery, but to see themselves as born again by the Lord Jesus, changed, new, different, exciting people with all this potential and all this opportunity in the world. That's how we talk to our nation. Well, do you know what that's done for him? One of his 12 leaders is the... Uh, president appointee to stamp out corruption in the country. He's a Christian, and the president likes him because he's a Christian. Now, you know the president there is highly controversial. We won't get into all of that. Um, he makes presidents elsewhere look fairly normal. Let's put it like that. And you know, we won't get into all of that either. But you probably know what I'm saying. But um, three days ago, I am talking to a receptionist. at the place where we are st- stopping, and I thought, well, let's just see if we can get the conversation going here. I said, where are you from? She said, I'm from the Philippines. And she starts to talk, and this is what she says. She said, do you know, we Filipinos, we've seen ourselves as slaves for 300 years, and none of us have ever pushed to get any decent jobs. This, t- this is what she said. She said, we, we think of ourselves as like the, the lowly paid jobs and the cleaners and the, and, and, and the, and the, the you know, the... The, sort of the the, the chambermaids and all that sort of stuff. She said, but I don't believe that. We should look up. We should have a different feel about ourselves. She's repeating virtually word for word what Bishop Oriel said to me. So I thought, what? is she in his church? So I asked her all these questions. She doesn't know who he is. She knows nothing about his church. Listen, they're changing the atmosphere of a nation. Did you know that? Did you know you can change the atmosphere, not just around you, you can change the atmosphere in your family? You can change the atmosphere in your classroom. You can change the atmosphere in your office. You can change the atmosphere in your neighbourhood. Together, we can even change the atmosphere in the nation. You're an atmosphere changer. Come on, tell the person next to you again, you are that atmosphere changer. I heard it myself. I heard the bishop's words come back to me through a person that doesn't even go to his church. She's got the message. We're changing our perspective. We're changing our outlook. We're changing the atmosphere. And because of that atmosphere change, she put herself in for a posh job and she's got a posh job. And she, she doesn't even know why her life's looking better. Isn't that the blessing of God spilling over? Now she needs to get born again and saved. She's experiencing so much of what God is doing without even realizing it. That's the kind of impact we want to have on the world. We are atmosphere changers. And the kingdom of God is an atmosphere. And we need to change the atmosphere around us and be sensitive to the atmosphere around us and not sucked into it, but rather to turn it around for the sake of the King. That's my first point. How do we change the atmosphere? How do we do that? Well, that brings us to my second point, which is attitude. What three things of the kingdom? It is um right. Good. You're doing well. I hope I'm going to keep my job by the end of this sermon. Now, let me ask you a question. What is your attitude? We could all ask ourselves this question. What is my attitude? See. John Maxwell, in his leadership book, he describes attitude as like an aircraft, an airplane you're on. You know, pilots, they have a whole lot of dials and equipment around them, but they spend most of their time looking at just five of them in front of them. They're shaped like a letter T, and they have a little, well, they have screens now, but in the old planes, they used to have a little white line around it, a little letter T. And one of them was called the attitude indicator. And it's got like a round ball on it, it's got a black bottom and a white top, and some lines on it. And it tells them if the plane is nose up, horizontal, or nose down. Now, if that attitude is nose down, what's going to happen to that plane eventually? It's going to hit the ground, isn't it? Guess what happens in life? What's our attitude? If our attitude is nose down, what's going to happen to us? If our attitude is just on the horizon, no change. But if our attitude is head up, nose up, we're going to climb, we're going to get higher. What's your attitude? When I read that in John Maxwell's book about 10 or 15 years ago, I made a decision at that moment as I had the page up and said, God, I make a decision before you now to have a nose-up attitude. I don't mean posh or anything like that. I mean nose of the airplane up. I mean looking up. I mean heading up. I mean not always seeing the negative, not just staying on a level course and going nowhere, but I mean something that's climbing higher and higher. Now, that's the kind of attitude we need. We need a choice, a change of attitude in every one of us. Whatever our gifting, whatever our temperament in life, every one of us can have a nose-up attitude. Now, how does that work in, in other ways? Let me see if I can picture this for you. See, imagine looking in a mirror at yourself, and if I could say to you, "What? It's what you see in the mirror?" Supposing I had to ask you to describe yourself as something, let's say an animal. What kind of animal would you describe yourself as? I'm not going to come around and ask you because this would be incredibly embarrassing. I might even find out some little pet names couples have for each other, won't I? You know, you could be her Mr. Badger, couldn't you? Uh, something like that, Joe, or something. No, he's definitely not, says Carrie. What is it then, Carrie? Ah, oh, shucks, she's not going to tell us. <laughs> I thought I was going to trick her into giving away the Christian and Ruth, you've got months now to think about little pet names for each other, you know. You sometimes see these advertisements in the Times, you know, little bunny rabbit loves her little pink ears or something like that. You think, who's little bunny rabbit? You know, it's all secret code encrypted stuff. I'm sure there are some little bunny rabbits in here somewhere. Now, what animal would you... Jibu's laughing. Have you, got, have you got a pet name? Oh, no. <laughs> Everybody asks Jibbu afterwards what name Anu calls him, you know, just, just to find out. And you can t- tell me, I'll re- announce it next week. So, but seriously, what animal would you picture yourself as? Now, think about this for a moment. Jesus is actually pictured as an animal in scripture, isn't he? Two, two animals, which, well, actually, probably more than two, depending on the circumstance. But what two is he regularly compared to? Lion and the lamb, you all know that. Now, we know the lamb has to do with his... Death on the cross, his sacrifice before the foundation of the world. It speaks of gentleness, willingness, sacrifice, purity, innocence, perfection. But he's also called the lion of the tribe of Judah. Now, how would you imagine being met by Jesus if he came to you as the lamb? You think, oh, Jesus is going to be nice to me and kind to me. How would you imagine meeting Jesus? Jesus says, I'm going to come and see you tomorrow, Christian. I'm coming as the Lion. What's your thoughts then? Meeting the lion, yes, you might get eaten, Nandy says down here. There is something different about the lion. Well, let's just think about that particular illustration. Why does the Bible call Jesus a lion? In lots of places we hear about the lion of the tribe of Judah. What is in that picture? What is there for us to learn out of that picture? Anybody want to hazard a guess? King, leadership? Sorry? Strength? Those are all in there. Sorry? Feared? Yeah, that's that's important actually. Powerful? Pride? Oh, no, well, the pride of lions, that's all the women, isn't it? That's all the... Listen, lady lions are fiercer than the men. I just want you to know. So I'm going to apply this picture to us in a moment. So before you get there, ladies, I just want you to know, this is a girl's picture even more than a boy's picture. If the boys are fierce, the girls are even fiercer when it comes to lions. So hallelujah. You're either fierce or fiercer today. I'll let you decide. Now, here's what it is about a lion. A lion is seen as king of the jungle... And it's the one that all the other animals fear and respect. Now, have a think about why that is for a moment. It's not because the lion is the biggest, because there are bigger animals out there. Name me a few. Elephants, hippos, massive bite, very dangerous animals. We kill more people than lions do, I think. Rhinos. I mean, Giraffe's huge. They can really swing with us. They're a a lot bigger, stronger, thicker-skinned, heavier-weighted animals out there. And yet the lion commands respect to them all. Why? It's all to do with attitude. It's all to do with attitude. Because you see, they all walk through life like this or like this, but the lion walks through life like this. Well, it's more like this. Ah. You see, when people and the other animals see the lion coming, they say, "Ah, run!" But when the lion sees them coming, when they're bigger and thicker skinned and tougher and heavier and stronger, the lion doesn't think ah! The lion thinks lunch. <laughs> <laughs> That's the attitude of the lion. Let me just show you this video. I want to illustrate something to you. Can we can we get this little this film up here? This is where Got some dragons st- dwell. The river pride feeds on a dead hippo, washed up on the river's bank. I told you the ladies Crocodiles don't fear the rulers of the land one exception, Fang. the pride's protector has earned his keep Attitude That croc's got bigger teeth harder skin weighs at least as much he's in his own environment and the lion comes up to says come on I just dare you I just dare you because I'm going to eat you alive if you try it I have big teeth and jaws, and you've got bigger teeth and jaws than me, but when it comes to a one-on-one with you and me, you are going to lose every time. And the croc goes, okay, 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 I get you, I get you, I get you, I get you. See, see, attitude, attitude, nose up, I can do this, God is with me, the Spirit is in me, God is bigger, God is better, this kingdom atmosphere is bigger and better and greater and preferable to anything that's going on here, I can do this thing. See, when the problems come along in life, like you stupid Christian, I don't believe in what you do, or here's the bank statement through the door with lots of red on it, or here's the next health challenge, what are you going to do? going to be a little pinky fluffy bunny and run away or are you going to go ah, lunch is coming my way this problem is going to become my feast for the day i'm going to eat it alive and grow fat on it what's your attitude fear or teeth problem or lunch Nose up, nose down. The kingdom is an atmosphere and an attitude. Do you, know, you don't have to be big and forceful to have the right attitude or to express it. I've watched the right attitude expressed with some very quiet, insistent examples in the past and it's impressive however you express it you can be that lion too please turn to the person next to you and go So, this week, when the crocodile comes, and by the way, he's a picture of the devil in, uh, in the book of Job. When the crocodile comes to eat your supper, what are you going to do? Okay, after me, one, two, three, you're going to go lunch like this, ready? One, two, three, lunch! All right, we're going to get some serious attitude into you guys. Here, listen, don't take this stuff lying down. Have that fierce attitude. I'm going to eat this thing before it eats me. (laughs) I've got teeth and claws and you're going to feel them. (sighs) There's a lot of fear in our nation at the moment prevailing atmosphere. is fear. You see it on the news every day. The big word beginning with B is being used to drum up a lot of fear. No need to be fearful. Whatever happens, you need the big L word. Lunch. 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 God is going to use this as an opportunity his kingdom and his atmosphere and his attitude, his action to be presented before the nation and you're the one that's going to do it. Enjoy your lunch today. We're not quite there yet. The last one is action. What is kingdom action? Well, there's a lot of things we could have in this category. You'll be pleased in our I'm only just going to talk about one today. One kingdom action you can take away with you at the start of 2019, and it's this. It's easy to do. It's easy to remember. It's just a challenge to do consistently. As we step into 2019, we are going to come up against our biggest enemy, So I'm going to tell you in a single word how to consistently overcome and defeat your biggest enemy in 2019. Anybody interested in finding out about that? Good. The the truth is, I've already told you this, and you already know, so we're just going to remind you again. Oh, yes. What is my biggest enemy in 2019? Mm -hmm. Getting there? my biggest enemy in 2019 is 2018. My past. Because as I step into 2019, there's this thing following me through the door called 2018. And it's waving at me saying, hello, hello, what about me? What about all these failings and failures and fallings and coming short and and what about the way we did things last year and it's all coming after us our pasts will consistently defeat us if we let them do you know some people come to me and they say Clive the devil is really attacking me and they may be right they may not be do you know what the devil doesn't really need to attack most of us most of the time All you need is a past. That can do most of the devil's work for him without him ever having to show up. And all you have to do is remember the bad side of that past. Now listen, God wants us to remember the story of our past and where we come from with him. There is a good side to remembering our past. There's a good side to remembering the good things of what God has done for us. I'm not talking about that. But God also has the ability to selectively forget things. Did you know that? God remembers and he forgets. Surely God doesn't forget. Well, he does. He chooses to forget certain things like our failings and mistakes. When he covers them with the blood of Jesus, he's forgotten them. Isn't that good news? I mean, who wants to spend eternity with God? Say, yes, I know you're good now, but what happened back in 1997 when that World Cup match, well, it wouldn't be in 1997, 1998 when that World Cup match was on and uh, you, you said that at the television and you threw that at the TV and you said about the England, t- yeah. See, he's never going to remind you of those things. There is a kind of forgetting. Let's put the scripture up here to show you what I mean here. Do we have the scripture from there? It's Isaiah, It's coming. There's a scripture in Isaiah, which I'll read out from my notes, since it's not on the screen, which says it's there. This is what the Lord says. He who made the way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and horses, the army and reinforcements together, and they were never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. This is what he says. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. What does God say? Forget about it. Have you seen that film? What is that film? It's Hugh Grant, isn't it? Mickey Blue Eyes. He has to pass himself off as an Italian gangster. So the only phrase he uses is forget about it then a the whole or half the films say, "Hey, forget about it," in terrible Italian accent. Forget about it. It's a good line to remember. Hey, forget about it. What Isaiah is saying here is this: Listen, there was a, can we go back to the beginning of the verse, please. There was a time when God took our people from Egypt through the Red Sea and out the other side, and in the Red Sea, He dealt with all their enemies. Wasn't that wonderful? Remember that and praise God. Now forget about it. Forget about it because he's not doing that again. He only did the Red Sea once. And here's the challenge with 2018 and all the years before it on the good side, and the good side is this God moved in my life like this God did this for me, I've got to get back there because I'm not there now, God worked like this, he worked through John Wesley, he worked through Spurgeon, he worked through whomever he revived the company, why can't we get back to how the country was, we're not going back that way again it's not going to be like that, we only had the Red Sea once God says look that's what I did I dealt with them I dealt with those issues. I dealt with those things in a way that was appropriate at the time. Let's go to the next verse. Now, forget about it. Because I am what? I am doing a what? A what? Come on, I can't hear it. I am doing a? God is doing a new thing. But if you don't forget the old thing, You won't be able to see the new thing. You'll be holding God to ransom of the old thing. Well, you did it like that before. You've got to do it like that again. We have a word for that. It's called denominations and tradition. And Jesus says that's the only thing that nullifies the word of God. Tradition is a curse. Even good tradition, even family tradition. Just because God did it that way before, he may not do it again that way. See, he wants to do a new thing with you in 2019. He wants to make you not like you were before when you were at your best with him. He wants to go beyond that. He wants to make you a better version of whatever you can be right now. Now have a look at where you've got to in your Christian life and think, well, have I got to, is is there anybody here who's as far on in their Christian life as they really believe they should be at this point? I don't know if you should put your hand up, but I'm sure nobody's going to put their hand up. Yeah, I've really made it. (laughs) If you do, hallelujah, we're going to pray for you for pride anyway, but anyway... (laughs) I'm sure every one of us feels here. Oh, I should be further on by now. Listen, forget about it. You're here today. Hug the person next to you say, thank God you're here today. That's all that matters. That's to make up for all that lion stuff earlier on, you know. <laughs> Don't you be in fear with the person next to you going to eat you? Forget about it. Whatever heights, whatever depth you've achieved in God before, praise the Lord. Now forget about it. Because 2019 has got to be even better. You see, it's not going to be in the old mold. It's not going to be with the old mindsets. It's going to be with a different set of It's, it's not going to be how God did it with the Pentecostals or the Charismatics or the Church of England or Methodists or anybody else. That's gone. Thank God for it, but it's gone. It did its good in its day, but it's gone. I am doing a new thing in you. Forget about your own traditions. And forget about all those failures, mistakes, slip-ups, big slip-ups, major slip-ups, major crashes and burns, whatever took place in 2018. If you step out this door remembering that stuff, I can promise you 2019 will be no better for you. This is your number one enemy. But if now while I'm speaking, you can say, that's it. I'm leaving it all in this room this morning. You don't need to take it with you. Forget the former things. A new year with brand new experiences in God, brand new callings, brand new revelations, brand new Touches, brand new insights, brand new relationships, brand new opportunities, brand new you, brand new mindsets, brand new ways of doing things. That's what waits you in 2019. And he says, "Look, do you not perceive it? We're back to where we were at the end of last year. Remember with the earphones on and and the the blindfold. Can you see it? Can you hear it? Listen, the devil wants to keep those earmuffs and that blindfold on you. Your old nature wants to keep that on you, but God wants to take them off. Perceive it. Look at it. It springs up. Can you see that? This is not just going to crawl its way out of the ground and sort of grow, grow. It's springing up. Hey, look at me! A new 2019. A new experience. A new you. Forget that old stuff. There's brand new, amazing things for you in the future. Can, can you see it? Can, can, come on, come on. Let's get excited. This is what he's saying. And he goes on to say that, look, it's not a party of the seas here. This is a wilderness now. We're not dealing with the sea anymore. We're dealing in a brand new context here, a wilderness context. We're going to turn this desert into water. We turn the water into dry land. Now we're turning the dry land into water. Can you see? It's a brand new thing. It's the other way around. A different setting. Atmosphere. Attitude. Action. Kingdom Atmosphere. Lion-like attitude for lunch. Forgetting the former things. You can do that. This is what the Bible says will happen to you. All these things will be added to you. Where we started off. All those good things we would like to see, they're going to be added to us if we can have the right atmosphere, the right attitude, and just one right action to forget those former things. Cut ourselves a break. Give ourselves a clean slate, a brand new year like we read at the beginning. This is your chance to put all those lessons of last year into practice, to learn from all the mistakes of last year, to learn from all the failures and to learn from all the good and make it all come better this year. Does anybody want to do that in 2019? Because I know I do. Anybody want a better 2019 than 2018? I'm sure you do. Seek first his kingdom. Seek first with no seconds. Seek first and only the right atmosphere, the right attitude, the right action. All these things will be added to your account. It's as simple as that. You do that. What are you going to do this week when the, at- when the atmosphere goes down? and What are you going to do? Change it. What are you going to do when the problem comes along? What are you going to say? No, you're not. You're going to say, let's. Ah! What are you going to say when the problem comes along? Yes. What are you going to say when 2018 tries to raise its head? Forget about it. This is deep stuff, isn't it? Forget about it. What did you learn in church today? We're like, hey, forget about it. Mickey Blue. Let's stand and pray, shall we? Father, we thank you now that 2018 was granted to us. Thank you for all the days it represented. Thank you for all the successes. Thank you for all the good things. Thank you for the blessings. Thank you for all the changes. We heard some of them at the the meeting the other night, New Year's Eve. It was powerful and precious. Thank you for the way you've met individuals and families. It's been brilliant. Lord, we want to take all of the good Lord, we thank you that all of the failure, all of the sin, all of the letdown, all of the disappointment, all of the bad, that's all been dealt with before the world began by a lamb slain in the blood of Jesus. And that's been placed on that year now to wash it all away. And now, Lord, we thank you for it, but we forget about it. Because we stand at the threshold of 2019 and we look not to the past, but to the future and say, God, here is our opportunity to do new things, to learn from the past and put all of those lessons into practice in doing it a new way, in a new approach, in a new way forward. Lord, we pray the kingdom atmosphere, the kingdom attitude, and the kingdom action will be in us. We pray we'll start the year as we mean to go on. Seeking only to follow after you and your kingdom. And Lord, we believe you'll add to us great things this year. Blessings, protection, healings, miracles, souls, family members, relationships restored, changes in our work situation, changes in our finances, blessings in every part of our life. Growth. Growth. And I'll walk with you fruitfulness, growth in ourselves, in our church. Because we have the right atmosphere, the right attitude, and the right action. Because we're seeking your kingdom and only your kingdom. Thank you, Lord. If you want more of any of this, I just want you to ask you to raise your hand or hands as a sign before the Lord. Give me more of this atmosphere, more of this attitude, more of this action for 2019. Lord, I thank you for these powerful, wonderful, amazing saints and men and women of God here before me. There are arms raised now. Thank you, Lord. There are world changes here. Thank you, Lord. There are 2019 changes here. Thank you, Lord. There are atmosphere changes here. Thank you, Lord. There are lunch eaters here. Thank you, Lord. There are people who can remember the good But forget in order to take hold of the new as well and not let the past be an enemy or a dragon. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I pray you'll seal this in our hearts today. You will even now be changing the very molecules of our brains, changing the very innermost depths of our spirits to coincide with that, that we might be different people than we were 40 minutes ago. Lord, I pray, wash over us now by your Spirit and seal the change in us that we could be kingdom-seeking first people in 2019. Lord, we commit ourselves to you now in Jesus' name. Commit this year to you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, we haven't quite finished yet because I just feel the Holy Spirit saying to me now, before we go, while our eyes are closed, if there's just one thing you want to change this year, tell the Lord now. I'm going to give you a couple of minutes just to...